welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. Wow, we're here. Welcome to those of you joining us. Um, do you want to just give some intros? I'm, my name's Al Gordon. I'm here with the one and only. Hi, I'm Nai. Nai who? Nai what? Nai where? Nai when? <laughs> Tell us everything. I'm, star sign, uh, relationship no, status. Um, I'm a board country Christian. Hi, I'm Nai. Um, I help lead our Shoreditch location and think about all things discipleship. That's what I do. Star icon. Star. Roller skating guru. <laughs> uh, we can talk about that on a future podcast. We can talk about that till the cows come home. Spiritual mama. So, oh, Iris <laughs> Spiritual mama. That is a big call. I'm in yeah. everyone's phone as Mother and I. Oh, so yeah. spiritual mama. Oh my gosh, my, my phone is that. Well, for the listeners <laughs> joining us, um, those of you who've been at Renaissance will have met Naomi because you mm-hmm. helped host the conference with me. Mm. And the, the new kid on the block. Yeah. Who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? Introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Temi. Yeah, Temi Toke Taiwo. Come Temi on. Stephen Taiwo, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> when do you use Stephen? Good question. Is it? Mm. Yeah, Does your mum use oh, it? Your no, 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 um, <laughs> <laughs> um, My sister calls me Stephen. Does, she, does she call you Temi Toke Stephen? Do you know? Because she calls me Stephen because her name is Stephanie. So I was. We nice. were given Got that, you. and then her, her Nigerian name's uh, similar to mine. It's Temi Taya. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's so, cool. Yeah. So, Timmy, tell us about yourself. Um, so, I work with Nai on discipleship stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm also an ordinand. Yes. Training to basically be you. Yes, mate. Yeah. Aren't we all? Doesn't, doesn't take long. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can teach you everything you need to know about yeah. Um Yeah, so, yeah, training to be a vicar in the Church of England. Um, grew up in London, uh, North London. Um, and, yeah. I love London. I love what's happening here. I love East mm. London. Even yeah. I've never, like, officially lived here. Yeah. We lived close enough. Enfield? Enfield, North London. It's North London, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, not too it's true. It's true. Well, guys, we're here for the Renaissance podcast. And yeah. those are joining. Yeah. We're, if you're on the audio version of this, you're missing out on the <laughs> smorgasbord of glory that is portrayed <laughs> in full 4K HD. Yeah. Um, and if you're on the video version, I guess you're not running or whatever people do. I thought you were going to say something like, you're welcome. <laughs> Obviously, do you want to do a welcome? You do a welcome. No, as in like, if you're watching the visual, you're welcome. You're welcome. Like, like look. Like, at... As in like, hey, you're welcome. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's that's too much for me. I'm not ready for that. Um, so listen, let's talk about what we're doing here. Like, obviously, yeah. Renaissance. Just tell for those who weren't at Renaissance what it is, what the vibe yeah. was, what our vision is, what we're trying to do. Yeah, I think um, as a church and a, a kind of family of churches, it feels like there's a real kind of anointing and almost commissioning for thinking about what it would look like for the church to enable just a renaissance of culture um for all things creative um even just to you know like wonder is an understated like gift and value but just that thing of pointing us upwards and and being excited and being inspired and so we were like what would it look like for us to gather a whole bunch of people and and just put aside some time for god to really meet us in that space of wonder um and so that's what we did back in November, and it was quite funny. It seems like ages ago. And it here we does, are. but it doesn't. It does, but it doesn't. I still yeah. remember um, every detail. So we've got lots to look forward to on this podcast. We're going to be going mm. back over the highlights of Renaissance 2021 and also looking forward to Renaissance 2022, which is going to be epic. Not that far away now. It's and coming. so what we're going to be doing in these, in these episodes is like sharing <laughs> some of the best bits from the highlights from the previous Renaissance, looking forward to the next bit. 
Um, and I guess sharing like nicely that vision for kind mm. of creativity and the power of the Holy Spirit. Like yeah. what would it yeah. look like for every single person to be full of the Holy Spirit and to kind of create out that yeah, place? So good. Um, so listen, um, what can people expect? What's coming up on this ed- edition of the Renaissance podcast? This is like yeah. the first one, isn't it? Yeah, mm. first so I feel one. the pressure. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, a little bit. But I think actually... Going back to Renaissance, it was such a time where even though it was a big event, so much going on, there was an ease to it. Mm. Um, and I think it relates to what you're saying in the Holy Spirit. Like yeah. when the Holy Spirit's there, there's an ease to it. And um, yeah. I love our John, who was a keynote. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today, about John's idea of culture and what's happening yeah. and, and what it looks like to speak into that creatively as well. Um, I like, got lots of notes when I listened the first time. <laughs> Listen back, and I was like, this is actually gold. So, yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward so to So, John Tyson came up with this edition, yeah. but before we jump into that, give us your highlights from Renaissance 2021. Mm. Like, what for you and I was like, Great secret source, what was the best yeah. bit? I think um, some moments just feel like, oh, I, I really might remember this forever. And I think mm. after like a couple years in and out of lockdown, in and out of lockdown, feeling the disruption of corporate worship, yeah. I think for me, that first night of just people just letting go and just worshiping like like St John's being packed out I honestly just sat at the back and cried like I was like I was almost overwhelmed by I like I saw you cry I thought you were having like some kind of like <laughs> religious emotional breakdown <laughs> <laughs> I was just I was like wow I think um one of you know like as vicars and vicar yeah. to be one of the things that draws you into this calling is just like a desire to see people caught up in worship. Yeah. Like it is the funnest thing to watch. It's the funnest thing to see people give themselves away just in awe of God. So um, and so I just, I, I, that moment could have lasted hours and hours and hours. And as the event continued, you just saw that same appetite and hunger for nice. it. And it felt like, we, like it was like a real, just like we tapped into something like yeah. people want this. Um, yeah. And it was so fun. Renaissance 22, bring your tissues. Bring your tissues. Tammy, how about you? What was your highlight? Um, similarly, I think just seeing everyone gathered, but seeing so many friends. Yeah. Um, I think this was probably one of the first conferences or events that pretty, pretty much the first that I've been to mm. since the whole pandemic. Yeah, and lockdown. that's true. Yeah. And seeing so many friends that I've met in this journey come from all over the country and even abroad yeah yeah um and just being able to have times where we was being poured into and then there's little moments where you just go away and you walk around the neighborhood and you're like mm. well this is what i've been doing life and um yeah. having those conversations i think mm. for me was mm. big highlight yeah wow can i have a second one go on <laughs> um i loved meeting all of the church leaders yeah like yeah like, right so say that because we had a bunch of church leaders so from around fun. the world flying yeah. for it yeah um and it was one of the like you say it's one of the first things after the pandemic it's yeah. sort of like suddenly like that like we'd had this weird 18 months in the wilderness we hadn't really hung out with people mm. and people had been wanting to come and hang out in hackney and they hadn't yeah. but like people came from all across the it world it was amazing it was nuts. like m- my jaw basically for the entire week I was just on the floor um but from the Friday we had friends from America and from Europe um come and just it's that thing of like I guess collaborative learning mm-hmm. so they brought something of their context we brought something of ours and we really just broke bread and shared together like the things that we'd learned and the things that we value um so even on the Friday John Tyson gave us a bit of an encouragement mm-hmm. and like honestly encouragement number one was just like 
take yourselves way less seriously. Yeah. Let's have fun. Mm. Like, like, don't lose your sense of fun and wonder as mm. you're building churches, you're doing ministry, nice. as you're engaging in things that can be full on at times. Such a great time to kick things off. I wonder it? if that yeah. was where the seeds were sown for me and my roller skating. Really? <laughs> like, Seriously? I can't, I can't help but go, go no, oh, wow. I got so full on permission. Know, for the listeners out there, for the great public, um, I mean, obviously, you know, I mentioned that you have like a kind of roller skating thing going on. Um, we're going to come back to that because I feel like if you're worrying spiritual about, gifting, spiritual gift, it's like is it like a thing? Is I think I think I, I I clocked that I need something that is genuinely a really fun outlet. Yeah. So at the start of the year was like let's learn something new. Wow. So I've been learning to skate every single day. We are on day eighty-seven. Okay, and you skate on you so like impressed. roller skate. I every roller day. skate every day. Wow. Yeah. That's creativity but, and the power of the Holy Spirit right there. Yeah. I feel like yeah. yeah, do you roller skate every day? Every day. Yeah. Do Have you I roller, roller skate, skate ever? No, no. No, I actually had a birthday party where she had a yeah, roller skate right. disco yeah. and um I was there for before, but the, the roller skating yeah. part. Um, yeah, you was tapped noted. out. The absence was noticed. Mm. Yeah, I just felt in that moment the spirit wanted to <laughs> move us. I went to yeah. secret place. Yeah, in the secret place. I heard it was great. Place. I heard it was great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so um, my highlight, definitely, um, I think, seeing people um, from all around, different mm. creative industries, mm. like artists, People coming and saying, like, oh, we didn't know the church cared about what we do, yeah. you know, and actually the idea so that um, that if we can encourage one another, like encouragement is such a powerful thing, isn't mm. it? Yeah. I, one of the aims of this is that we would encourage one another. I think we're, we're kind of doing this podcast quite selfishly because it gives us a chance to go back and listen again mm -hmm. and to yeah. pick up on what, what God was doing and the sense of like, just like some content that's going to come up. So we're going to be looking through like hearing from John Tyson in a moment, yeah. but also EJ Corio was wow. is an incredible wow. thinker. Ez Devlin, one of the leading mm. creatives in the world right now. I'm right the way through to some incredible practical equipping. Um, so there's lots to look forward to on the Renaissance so podcast. Yeah. And of course, um, we would love to invite you to Renaissance 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, lots coming up. Tickets are available online. Saint.church slash Renaissance. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, I think have we, we haven't quite launched this yet. I mean, it's kind of out there. People are already buying tickets, but... Is this like breaking news? Well, it's not breaking news because yeah. I feel like it's okay. old news. It's been like on the whiteboard for a while. <laughs> but like, I think online now more and more people yeah. will be like, figuring out Owen Manus. Yeah, I'm excited. Wow. Really excited to have Owen there. Yeah. Um, I Who else know, is coming out? I can't, Mike Pilavachi. Oh, we'd to like drop that one. Jake Isaac. Amazing. He's a legend. Yeah. Um, yeah, quite a, a few different people we're going to drop. Um, upper Room, are we allowed to talk about that? Oof. I that said worship is. was good last year. Yeah, okay. it's going to be amazing. So <laughs> all of that to say, um, uh, lots more. Watch the space. It's going to be an yeah. epic time and you can get booked in. Have you booked a ticket yet? Obviously. Okay, good, great. Tell me, you're thinking. Um, you're thinking <laughs> I've got you a ticket, brother. Tell me, like, ticket. sat there like, you're okay. oh. Half half ticket, yeah. <laughs> um, So listen, let's talk about John Tyson. So one of the keynotes was um, John mm. Tyson's. Um, and we're actually going to look at the first bit of that today. Yeah. And what we're going to be doing on this podcast is chopping up some of the content and listening through. And I almost like to encourage you, if you're listening to this at home, like to, um, for the listener to really like take time to chew it over yeah. and think about it. Maybe you're out having a run or you're on your way to work. But like, hopefully this stuff will really um, uh, inspire and provoke thoughts. So yeah. first up, John Tyson. Yeah. Um, Temi's mentioned John already, but I guess John um, is a great friend to Renaissance. He's part of the kind of team behind the scenes, been thinking this through. And John pastors a church in New York called Church of the City yeah. and is a great writer and thinker mm. and encourager and become a great friend. So um, John's first session um, is 
really starting to frame some of the issues around how we as creatives engage with the world. Yeah. So yeah. Um, before we dive in, without giving too much away, mm-hmm. what do we need to look out for in this session? Tell me, give us some of like, the mm. highlights from this that we need to look out for. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, John's such a great thinker. I think the way he unpacks ideas and what I would say is um, listen out for why he's saying we need to do what we're doing and mm. not just the what. Um, I think it's very easy to go away from these talks and take the tools and be like, I'm just going to do this immediately. Mm. And then you do it for, I don't know, a couple months or a year and then you realise, why am I doing this again? Mm. Um, so I think listen out for the why, the, the kind of underpinning behind what he's asking. Because um, I think there's some real good like purposeful statements that will yeah. like, help us to be long haul creatives yeah. rather than just like kind of short term bursts. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to jump in because I know, Nai, you know, you won't have heard this before because you were asleep during his session. So um, <laughs> That is uh, scandalous. <laughs> uh, uh, you weren't really. You weren't really. Saturday. John, if you're listening, I'm really sorry. It was a Saturday, uh, wasn't it? It was Saturday. not yeah. Yeah. true. Yeah, it was a keynote. It was Sabbath. I was there. <laughs> you're Sabbath, you're at the back in tissues. This is going to be one of those you things that travels now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like in November, they're like, so why did you sleep through John Tyson's <laughs> Yeah, literally, literally. Oh. Who's like, the guy? I did not. In Paul in, in, the, in the book of Acts, he massive falls out tangent. the window. He falls out the window. Is he, is he named? I don't think he's named. It's like Paul, it says, like a young right. boy or something. A young boy. Like As Paul's my, that person is real. They're out there. <laughs> <laughs> like, who are you in the Bible? Well, actually, I was like, um, I was like, yeah, I have a moment in Acts. <laughs> Without further ado, let's get back to the purpose of this, which is John Tyson, part one. Enjoy this, and then we're going to get back together after this and share some thoughts. Thank you, man. Thank you. Well, Al, what you're uh, stewarding here is honestly something quite extraordinary, and God's entrusting you with a a significant part of the future of the church, and I don't know if if you're aware of the moment we're in and uh, the moment that this is, but this is significant, so thanks for being available to God. Thanks for the dream. I remember talking to you years ago before you even had this building, sharing your dream and to be able to stand here and see what's happening is just remarkable. So you can just count on our prayers for New York just for protection and wisdom and vision. And uh, it's just been amazing to see all that God's done in this time. Um, I want to uh, pray before we talk through uh, this passage uh, tonight about what it means to renew secular culture. The task is huge, so the power we need is great. So let's bow our hearts and then ask the Holy Spirit for help. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our glorious God, we love you. It is the core desire of our heart to please you, to seek your kingdom first, and to see the Lordship of Jesus established. And so because you care about that so much, I just ask that you would bring these thoughts with great power tonight. I pray for good soil that takes the seed of this message and bears 100x fruit in this city. We give you this time and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of us have a desire to shape the culture. Many of us have a desire to change the world. Many of us have a passion to see the kingdom of God move out there, but it's hard right now. And it's not hard just because the culture is at a moment of crisis and exhaustion. 
It's hard because there's so much resistance to what it is that we are called to respond to. And as much as I love everything that's happening here, we have to be sober-minded when we head out into the world because the forces that you are engaging as you shape culture are not just human forces, but spiritual forces. And naive Christians who want to go out into the world and shape the world, if they're not careful, can become easily disillusioned, easily manipulated, and then often come, com become completely ineffective at the task they set out to do. And so I wanna speak you know, with a big picture overview tonight of the task at hand that we have, but I wanna do it from a very sober-minded perspective. So I wanna talk about four things. I wanna talk about why we need a renaissance why we need creatives above everybody else at this moment. I wanna talk about creating a path of renewal, how we respond at a moment like this, and then how to bring kingdom culture into the world. So let's jump into it. Why do we need a renaissance? Well, we need a renaissance because we are in a moment of decline in our culture and the church because of secularism. Now, secularism is not the boogeyman, and it's often a large and misunderstood word, but it is really something that is shaping our world in incredible ways. And if you want to love the world, you have to understand the world. And understanding secularism is one of those important things. And it's not an academic ideology that lives somewhere over there and doesn't affect us in everyday life. It shapes the way we see everything. James K. Smith says this, talking about how secularism works, it's not about what people think, it's more a matter of the difference between what we take for granted, contrasted with what people of that age or another age took for granted. It defines how we understand reality. So secularism gives us a set of assumptions about how the world is and how the world works. It also defines how we find and how we enjoy meaning. So if a secular culture reduces the horizons of possibility down to a very limited scope, you will only be given cultural permission to find meaning and joy within that scope that is given. And the reason this matters is because this sort of reductionism has had a tremendous impact on our faith, and it's done incredible damage to our hearts. Sometimes we send out Christians and they have a desire to shape the culture or renew the culture and when they get out there, they're actually more shaped and transformed by the culture. The culture has more potency in its formation than the church does. In the United States, still to this day, 70% of students lose their faith when they go to university. Which means what the university is doing is more effective at making disciples than what the church is in preparing for them to go there. And statistics show that Christians live lives that are almost, not quite, there is some difference, but lives that are almost identical to the pagans. And so this force that we are facing, which is an incredibly potent shaping force, is something that we have to understand. So I wanna spend the first part of this talk sort of explaining how secularism works. Most of my ideas are taken from two people a Canadian uh, sociologist and philosopher named Charles Taylor, and a, a friend of mine whose name is Paul Gould, who works in philosophy and cultural apologetics. And I've sort of mashed up their two worlds together to help us understand how this works. 
And I wanna give you sort of an image so you can see what it looks like to be in a season of decline and then a pathway forward to renewal. So let's talk about what a secular age is. Now, if you lived at a different time in history, say 200 years ago or 500 years ago, you would have lived in a world that was haunted by God and by faith. If you thought about your job, you would have had God somewhere in your brain. When you thought about the family, you would have had a Christian view of the family. When you thought about government, you would have thought about God-ordained powers, whether it be the Pope, a priest, or whether it be the king. You would live in a world that was absolutely filled and haunted by God. In fact, living at that time, it would have been very, very hard to be an atheist. There was almost no plausibility structures to not believe in God. So you would have thought, well, how do I get God out of music? Well, he's in all the sacred songs. How do I get God out of art? Well, most of the art is framed from a biblical perspective. How do I get God out of law? Well, most law is at least built on common law or an understanding of created order. It would have been very, very hard to build a world, a world where you cannot believe. And so, so much of Christendom was a time where God was in everything. He was in the bedroom. He was in the workplace. He was in the legal system, he was in the arts, he was in the academy. God and faith were everywhere. And then there was a push, a secular push to move away from a society that was ordered by God and was ordered by faith. And this is step one of secularism, or what Charles Taylor calls secularism one. And this is about suppressing the truth. That's a phrase from the book of Romans. So secularism is an idea first coined by George Jacob Holyoke to describe the ordering of the world, including individual societies and nations, with a this-worldly and not divine view of reality. It is a conscious severing of God and society in the areas of philosophy, morals, laws, and government. It's not just a separation of church and state, which is something that I have in the United States, but it's a separation of church and everything else. Philip Reeve calls this severing the social order from the sacred order. So in recent history, people have consciously come along and they've tried to suppress or remove or get rid of God. They've tried to remove him from art, from academics, from philosophy, from sexuality, from our ways of thinking. And so most societies up until this point had built most of their institutions with a divine view or at least a Judeo-Christian view of everything. But then this moves on. And this happened primarily because of a conflict. People say that we have to get rid of God because faith often conflicts with reason. It creates oppressive uh, moralistic power structures that exclude many good people who don't have faith. It hinders mutual benefit at a public and policy level with exclusive claims, and it represses natural sensual satisfaction and expression with harmful, antiquated ideas. So S1, secularism one, was about suppressing this truth. When this decline goes on further, we move to secularism two. With its, this is a shift further into secularism, and this is about emptying the world of truth. It's asking the question, how do we get rid of it? As I mentioned in my breakout, when Christians meet people that are demon-possessed, they exercise the demon. They say, come out of him in Jesus' name. And what secularism has done in many ways is it has said to our society, God, get out of our society in our name. 
It is a desire to exercise God, to empty our culture from divine claims and from divine powers. And so the result of this is that people end up moving away from God. As Derek Rishmay says, in this story, doubt is the movement of a heroic individual stepping intellectual adulthood and maturity, no matter the cost. Moving to an exclusive humanism away from their earlier childish faith requires virtues such as disengaged reason, the courage to let go of comforting illusions, the reliance on one's own reason against authority. And so this is the great push of getting rid of God. And in some senses, this is bleeding into the church through our common deconversion or deconstruction movement. And as Michael Kruger has mapped out, this is a very simple path. Number one, recount the negatives of your fundamentalist path. Number two, portray yourself as the offended party who bravely fought the establishment. Step three, portray your opponents as overly dogmatic while you're just a seeker. Insist your new theology is driven by the Bible and is not a rejection of the Bible. And step five, attack the character of your old group and uplift the character of your new group. And so this goal is a goal to even push God or an understanding of God that we are not comfortable with out of our faith and out of our religion. And this place here, Secular 2 or S2, is a place where most of the culture wars happen. People are fighting as people are trying to empty God to keep God in. They fight for uh, getting rid of compromise in the church. They're trying to push back on the disillusionment. Often people are filled with fear because the world they know is disappearing and it's unrecognizable to them. Many of their cherished childhood values are no longer expressed in culture and they do not recognize the godless world in which they live. This is a world of culture fighting and this is the war, the war where so much in the United States of evangelical Christ, Christianity lives. It's a place of fighting and it's a place of failure. And the thing is this, when you go to war with a culture, the thing that normally results in war is not victory, but damage. And this is what has happened. We have lost a generation who are not interested in fighting for what they perceive to be a nostalgic faith. But I want us to note right here, and by the way, you can raise so much money in culture wars in S2. But that's not what secularism really is. Secularism is beyond that. And this is what Taylor talks about when he talks about secularism three. And this is a place where no dominant narrative is accepted. It is a contested space. So secularism three is not like God versus science or faith versus atheism. It just means there's no privileged position that anybody gets to hold. And so the goal is basically to get any dominant truth claims, any meta-narratives out of the way because they're harmful and damaging to people. As one author puts, the reason there's injustice and warfare is because of warped institutions, especially religions and nation states. If we can get rid of strong religion and live in a borderless world, we can get rid of war and the worst forms of evil. To pretend that there is no difference between humans, we must see that they have the same values, temperament, ethics, and vision, and we should all just be able to get along if these pesky truth claims would get out of the way. And so this is not a place where there's no God. This, this is a place where you can't have a public God. The fruit of this is that all religion and all truth claims must be privatized. And this is where we are right now. 
Imagine going to your boss and having a meeting with him and saying, what are your goals for the next season or the next quarter? And you said, well, I don't know. I was thinking about manifesting a vision of the Sermon on the Mount in the workplace. How do you think HR is going to handle that? Or if they ask, how would you like to be described? What are your pronouns? And you're like, my pronouns are like chosen, dearly loved and holy. Do you actually think that that's going to make its way through your organization? No, you would be quickly disciplined where your faith could only be privatized. And for many secular people, this makes sense. Put it another way, we all know sane, rational people living much the same as we do, yet behaving, believing radically different things. Your Sikh neighbors, your Buddhist gym buddy, and your atheist coworker buy groceries at the same niche food store, catch the Marvel franchise of superhero flicks, and love their families, but none of them goes to your church on Sunday. There are no more singular, monolithic, obvious takes on the world. Belief has become less of an on-off switch and more a series of dials you can set in various degrees, post-secular, humanist, romantic, libertarian, eco-feminist, and on and on. And so you can believe what you want, you just cannot believe it in public. And the problem is this, is that Christianity is fundamentally a public faith. It's not a private devotion where Jesus is Lord of my heart and that's the extent of his rule and reign. No, our claim is actually that the resurrection and the cross of Jesus are public and political statements about a new world that is on the way through the power of our resurrected God. And so the result of living in this culture is that we suppress the truth, we empty God, we live in contested space, and now we live in what Taylor calls a disenchanted world. A disenchanted world. And this means where nobody has an expectation of encountering God, or nobody takes religious claims particularly seriously. A disenchanted world, which is the world we actually live in, is defined by several characteristics. Number one, it's what he calls the imminent frame And the imminent frame basically says, this is all there is, so make it good. There's three shifts that happen in the imminent frame. Number one, the shift of the body for the soul. Your body becomes your everything. And then it's a shift for the self for God. You become the reference point of authority and morality. And number three, it's a shift for time, for now, the present, for eternity. It's this moment is the only moment that comes. And so the fruit of these shifts is that there is an exclusive, self-sufficient humanism. And what that means is we do not need any reference points beyond ourselves to determine what is good for us. Taylor says this, I mean by this a humanism accepting no final goals beyond human flourishing nor any allegiances to anything else beyond this flourishing. Of no previous society was this true. And so we basically take the UN Declaration on Human Rights and our subjective feelings and morals, mash them together, and that is our scripture. We don't need divine help. Religion will just complicate it. Who can even know? Thank you, whatever got us here, but we'll take it from here. And this leads then not to having divine reference point, but to self-authenticating points which he calls the age of authenticity. Listen to this description. He says, I mean, the understanding of life which emerges with the romantic expressivism of the late 18th century, that each one of us has his or her, that should also be they, own way of realizing our humanity and that it is important to find out and live out one's own as against surrendering to conformity with a model imposed on us from outside by society or the previous generation or religious or political authority. Let me put that on one page so that you can see it. 
we now view as a secular society, anything that tries to tell us to become something other than what we want as a tyranny with which we must be liberated from. So anything outside the self, anything from a larger society, anything from the previous generation, any kind of religious authority or political authority has no power to define me or to direct me. This means, and Taylor talks about the difference between a buffered self and a poorer self, this means that the individual is no longer open or porous or receptive to divine encounters anymore unless they are self-generated. And people say, no, we're an incredibly spiritual society. I'm like, yes, but you're missing the root of it. All spirituality in modern society goes into the self, not out towards God. It is a form of self-spirituality and self-worship. And any external force seeking to dictate or shape me, I have to put walls up to buffer myself from any divine commands or any outside influence. This is much of our world. And so you can see why this is a challenge for Christians who believe that Jesus is Lord, that self-denial is the way to life. If you wanna find your life, you have to lose it. That narrow is the way. This is a challenge for our beliefs. Now the fruit of this, the fruit of this, is not a culture of prosperity and happiness. It's a culture of anxiety and fear and despair. The fruit of secularism is not liberation from divine tyranny, it is the tyranny of the self. We are living with anxiety, we are living with fear at statistically almost impossible numbers. And so we have to realize that secularism is a devoid God which has not given us the promise that we hope for. This is the moment that we live in, a disenchanted world. Wow, hard hitting, part one. Mm. I feel like that was the opening act mm. and we've yeah. got more to look forward to from John, but yeah. first impressions. I mean, that was full yeah. on, wasn't it? It, was, it yeah. was strong. I think like he really sets his stall out for why we need Christian creatives. Right. Like he's so intentional about um, why we need to renew culture. He's so intentional about the role that we have to play in it. But I think, um, you know, when you're just like, I just want to keep listening. Like, I want to know what's yeah. coming next. Yes. Because yeah. if this is like act one, yeah. what, how is he going to speak to that? What is the thing he's going to offer in response to this kind of diagnosis of the culture? Yeah. yeah. I feel like we've done the, the classic podcast thing mm. of like taking like tantalizingly good content. <laughs> and, and then like, ending on and like, Yeah, it's like, it's literally like <laughs> next time on John Tyson Continues. Yeah. That was literally. like, wow, that's a great place to start. And I'm like left thinking, um, I want loads more. So tell me what jumped out for you? What was like the takeaway? Mm. I think how he kind of presents the problem. Yeah. Pretty much is, hey, we're in a secular world, secular culture. Um, which is really weird because every other society would have, I love what he said, he says, it would have been haunted by the presence of God. And it's such an interesting mm. phrase, right. but the idea that you wouldn't have been able to get away from God. And now we live in a place where that's kind of been pushed out. Okay. Um, but I think, I think, okay, I, I get that, but what does that mean for Christianity? And I think what he mentioned about um, Christianity is fundamentally a public, Faith. Like yeah. the cross and Jesus is like a public, really powerful statement. Um, yeah. It's got me thinking again, like, okay, so what then does it mean to be a creative? Mm. 
proclaiming a public yeah. faith in a really privatized yeah. world and that kind of juxtaposition and stuff. And I loved as well yeah. how that really links to another bit of content that we'll look at on this podcast yeah. with Laquena, yeah. who's an amazing visual artist. Mm. Um, and her work is taking like statements and doing them. It's just kind of beautiful mm. art, but mm. you'll, you'll, um, um, I will we'll come and hear from her in a future yeah. episode. But one thing she does is take like truth and put it in the public sphere yeah. and like on like a massive scale. And I thought that was a really interesting yeah. connection between those two. It's kind of yeah. you know when you look back and think, oh, that's like kind of like one idea riffing off another. Mm. It's kind of interesting with things like this. I often listen back and I think, huh, that's fascinating how Laquena yeah. is connecting with something that John was talking about. And that's mm. what, what I didn't really notice in the room at the time. But I listened back to content yeah. later. I'm like, huh, that's fascinating yeah. that point about the, like almost the power of words and creativity in the public space mm. as Christians and taking our faith and making it public. And I look at what Laquan is doing with her art and I'm like, that is like the other side of the coin, right? Yes. It's like mm. insane, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's attractive. Like, it's yeah. like, like with Laquan, it's so colorful. Those truths are yeah. like Bible verses. Like yeah. she's really applying the thing that John spoke about. Yeah. But I guess, and, and final point on that, just love the, just the demonstration of creativity in the spirit, right? Yeah, like, like, yeah. like clearly yeah. across the conference, the Holy Spirit was working at one thing, yeah. and that comes out through different people's messages. Yes. Um, yeah. But I guess, Al, what were your takeaways from the talk? Gosh, do you know what, what John says about the imminent frame? Is that the right phrase? Yeah, the imminent frame. I thought that right, was the fascinating. Yeah, the Charles yeah. Taylor thing yeah. around, yeah. Suddenly you realise how. Um, and in a weird way, what I was when I listened to it again, I was thinking that's fascinating because we talk a lot about um, in our kind of in our world, we talk about like with worship, we talk about imminence and transcendence and like mm -hmm. the presence of God being close and how actually what happens when you take God out of the equation is you lose that thing of intimacy and imminence and mm -hmm. the kind of incarnation and it becomes slightly just without meaning and purpose. It becomes this imminent frame of materialism yeah. and, and yeah. it leaves you kind of feeling and I thought it was just a beautiful articulation of what so often I see people as a pastor, I see people wrestling with, is that like, mm. where is God in the, and yeah. insert whatever that is into the blank. Yeah. And what's happening, you've just got the framing, you've dislocated it from the presence of God. And what, what God wants to do is come back into that space mm. and um, be closer. I think particularly for um, people who are creating, you know, often you are... Um, well, you know, the, the word frame, even if you're an artist, it's like, that's I'm framing my work. You're a yes. photographer, you're framing your work, you're a painter, yeah. you have a frame often around your, your work. And even, um, uh, you know, that, that idea that within these boundaries we create, mm -hmm. I thought that's fascinating because actually if you create with God in that space, it's going to be something that has real transcendence and purpose mm -hmm. and wonder, which I think is where we're going to go with John, yeah. I hope, in part two, oh, I, I think. Like so listen, come on, tell me, yeah. tell us more, like what jumped out for you? Mm -hmm. I think what you mentioned at the beginning, now around he kind of just lays out a story. It's, it's a diagnosis, yeah. essentially, yeah. of culture. It's just saying, this is what's happening. And if you're not careful, you listen to it, it can come across as, oh, like, doom, gloom, like, what do yeah. I do now? And of course, he goes into the solutions later on. He yeah. goes into, like, yeah. some really incredible stuff. But I think what he does really well is relate it with our everyday. Right. So he mentions um, the idea that nowadays you can have neighbours who are very different to you in terms of religion or faith or um, people that you would never find in church. But they're good people, like, they yeah. do good things. You'll go watch Netflix with them. You'll like shop at the same supermarket. Yeah. Um, and then you're kind of left confused with like, okay, but 
I'm meant to believe in this like real world changing faith and have this worldview that transcends culture. It just seems like everyone's just getting on with it. Yeah. So he really brings it like um, to to a real good base level, and I think the idea that within that there's there's still this desire um, that we have that that God is working in and God is wanting to like go cr- against secular culture and suppressing truth. Mm-hmm. Um, emptying truth, as he says, and he wants to bring something out of that. Mm. Um, I think particularly, though, the cultural license that he mentions, like the world doesn't give you the cultural permission to share your views now. I, I mm. really related with that quite a lot. And um, I think creatively speaking, it, it's that thing of you still want to have a level of engagement with you know, whatever academy you belong to. You, you don't just kind of want to be this outlier. Yeah. You no. want to have some engagement, um, but finding that with the with the balance that you also call to be set apart and distinctive and distinct. Yeah, 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 yeah. true. Um, and he's weighing. So he's he's really balancing and weighing a lot of big things, mm-hmm. um, and I think he did that really well. So I'm excited to to hear the rest of what he goes on to share. So tell me, let me come into land with you. Final reflection: What else did you kind of take out of John's mm. first talk? Um, I think what I've taken out is how well he's balancing these really big truths mm. um, between kind of emptying the culture of truth, emptying society, suppressing it. Yeah. Um, and at the same time saying that we have this desire to speak into it. Mm. Um, and I think particularly one of the things that I really loved what he mentioned is the idea that even though there seems to be no dominant truth, in society anymore there's no like kind of one prevailing worldview yeah like within that there, there's still like a, an inner desire in the self like mm. to to proclaim something beautiful yeah um into the world amazing uh, so. no it's great so we're going to carry on with john tyson part two yeah next time we hang out so make sure you subscribe you like you do whatever you need to do to get this podcast delivered fresh to your ears next time we we release the next episode and don't forget you can also book in online for Renaissance 2022 with Owen Manus yes, Jake Isaac Mike Pulavachi Upper Room loads of goodness and it's in mm. November in London and you need to make sure you're there flying from wherever you need to be um, tickets are limited they're going really fast and it's going to be in the room and it's going to be epic so has this been fun? this has been so fun it's been better than you thought it was going to be <laughs> No, I was really nervous. I wasn't nervous until I saw the cameras. Yeah, we didn't know. Like, we didn't know surprise. it was going to be filmed, right? Yeah. I'm glad we didn't wear the same jacket. We, I'm glad for you that we didn't wear the same jacket because you're a style king. I would have been like going home to get changed. So, um, well, I've, I've loved hanging out with you guys. Thank you so it's much. Um, and don't forget, um, join us next time when I'm back with these two geniuses to talk about more about John Tyson. And over the next few episodes, we're going to be going through the content from mm. Renaissance 2021 and looking forward to Renaissance 2022. We're going to keep you up to date on all that good stuff. But yeah. we're going to end mm-hmm. with a little treat. What's wow. Treat? Come on. Do you what know about it? this? Have I told you? No. Kaz Talbot, our worship pastor who leads Saint, yes. has released some new music that we premiered at Renaissance 2021. Oh, yeah. And just for you, for free because we love you. Have we even checked with Kaz whether we're allowed to do this? It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> nice. Nice. It's I don't fine. know how, the, know how the license works. Saint <laughs> Music Collective, fresh for your ears. Here is Kaz's work, which is called Here I Am, and it's for your ears. Enjoy it, worship, and we'll see you next time on the Renaissance Podcast. High five. Are you going to move your hand? Yes! (laughs) I absolutely was. Go do a fist bump. We'll do a fist bump.